Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a daft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If a sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit with a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 148 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Based Podcast, and coming at you brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, I guess I'll start off by wishing all my Canadian listeners, anyway, a happy Thanksgiving. Um, Welcome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Got a kind of show that we got for you today. Sorry, I just uh, set up here. <clears throat> okay. Well, um, yeah, I think uh, today's show I will be uh, discussing uh, a few that actually I I went and asked the 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 group the enforcer group. Um, just like kind of what kind of topics do you want to hear on the show and that type of thing, just to get ideas. Cause to be completely honest, it was like, I was drawing blanks guys. Like, um, the last, uh, 
well, was it, I guess it would be the last four episodes. I mean, three of them have been solo episodes. And uh, hopefully, uh, before I get into that, hopefully everybody goes back and uh, you listen to episode 147 on Wednesday uh, with my guest, ex-NHLer uh, Chris McAllister, and another one of the five toughest opponent series. And uh, it was fun to sit down with Chris. Chris and I uh, are actually the same age. We grew up together in Saskatoon playing against each other in sports. So um, it was actually probably a... You know, and I had a very, uh, enjoyable conversation actually off, uh, off air with him. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, definitely check that episode out and, uh, a couple surprising answers. And, and Chris was, uh, you know, really gracious this time. And, uh, and I want to thank him again for coming on. Um, you know, while we're at it, talking about past shows, uh, I really hope if I have any new listeners, welcome. Thank you. Um, I, I really hope you guys will, uh, go out and check out, uh, check out my back catalog. Um, you know, Steve McIntyre, John Morasti, uh, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, um, you know, uh, Kit Staniforth, uh, Chris Graff, Josh Mazer, on and on. Um, I, I encourage uh, Brad Wingfeld, um, you know, with the, of course, with all the Danbury stuff going on right now, the Trashers and, and, and their uh, refound popularity after the Netflix documentary. Um, I had Brad on uh, about two years ago and, uh, we discussed his whole career and, uh, I believe it's episode four in my catalog. And, uh, yeah, it's like three hours. And, uh, of course we talk about all about the Danbury stuff, but, uh, yeah, Brad was a cool guest and, uh, I hope everybody, again, I encourage everybody to go back and check that interview out. Um, as I said at the top of the show, I'm a, uh, I'll do the sponsors here. Um, I said I was a member of the hockey podcast network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, whatever NHL, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And of course, uh, with the preseason going on and the regular season, just about ready to kick off here. Um, you know, they're, they're busy, uh, for another year. So, uh, you know, like I said, whatever, whatever team is yours, check them out. Uh, for my off network friends, um, we got part-time Oli down there in Florida, Alec, Alec and the five for fighting podcast. Um, you know, I'd like to tell you what, when his episodes drop, but it's, uh, you know, here, there and everywhere. Uh, you know, who knows? I don't know. Yesterday he's out, you know, he's out drinking wine with the wife, taking her out for a nice dinner. I, I know. I don't know. It looked pretty classy. I think it was the waffle house down there in Fort Meyer or wherever. And, uh, you know, I didn't know they drank. He probably brought the wine with him in his jacket pocket. No one, no one, the Florida, that mud show. But, uh, yeah, it gets her all amped up on the wine. And, you know, I'm sure she was sleeping by eight o'clock and he's watching, uh, you know, LNH fights underneath his, uh, Taiwanese massage parlor neon sign that he's got there by the glow of the, uh, the glow of the massage parlor light. Um, so. No, in all seriousness, though, Al, the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, Alec, it's, he's back in the groove. Um, and check out, again, back catalog is tremendous. By Lois, um, Rob Ray, Mike Segroy, um, on and on. Um, um, <clears throat> uh, and then, of course, uh, and Alec also runs the, uh, he created the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. It's a private group. Um, it's got over like 12,000 members, though. So, um, just, you know, uh, sign up and, uh, and it's, it's very much like the old, well, as close as you can get to the old fight message boards, the old fried chicken and, uh, hockeyfights.com before they fucked that up. So, um, yeah. And, uh, so, you know, pictures and videos and, and, and debates. And, uh, although one of the, I noticed one of the topics today was, um, like Ty Domi lost 95% of all his fights. It's like, why I just type like, why are we having this really like yeah 
Actually, I'm an, I'm an administrator in that group. After I'm done recording, I'm going to go back and just delete that whole thread because that's just moronic. If you want to discuss Taidomi's career, that's cool. I mean, that's what the group is for. But, yeah, Domi won 5% of his fights. Like, okay. Like, whatever. Stop being stupid. But, uh, now you're just purposely trolling and, like, looking to start shit. And that's not cool. So, like I said, there's nothing wrong with difference of opinions. But let's, you know, let's keep it in the realm of uh, reality. But, uh, but no, definitely, uh, as I said, join the group and then I start bitching about it, but no, it's cool in there. And, uh, like I said, everywhere you go on social media, there's going to be fucking goofs, right? So, but, uh, overall, like I said, we try to clear that out pretty quick and, uh, but, uh, no, it's, it's fun to go down the nostalgia thing and people put up some cool pictures and videos. So I highly encourage anybody to check that out. Um, also, the other podcast would be Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander enforcer podcast. Of course, run by none other. None other than the uh, the Lord of Long Island himself, Jolt and Joe Lazito. Get rid of Lazito. Um, Joe does it. I, I, Joe's concentrating right now. As I'm recording this, it, you know, it's a big game in Ryderville. Joe, despite living in Long Island, is a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. And, of course, they're playing the uh, Calgary Stampeders today. I should have I should get a hold of Joe before that game starts and maybe make a bet with him. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he's eating. he's got a watermelon on his head right now, so there's no disturbing him. Don't disturb him. Um, and then, of course, tomorrow, um, you know, he's got to be jumping. Him and his bloody Buffalo Bills, he's got to go out and tailgate. You know, he's going to go fucking stand on the roof of his fucking uh, 86 Pinto and uh, jump through the... Well, he, I, I, I brought up the table jumping thing, smashing through the tables. And he actually said his wife's more of the table diver than he is. But I'm, I'm pretty sure if the Bills can put, pick out a big win. I, I just hope he doesn't dent the roof of the Pinto. But, uh, yeah, he'll be going through that table. And, uh, you know, and you know what he's going to go through it with while wearing... His official Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. Joe's a big merch guy. Oh, he's, it's all over Long Island. It's the talk of Long Island, really. New York Fashion Week coming up. I think Joe's going to be rock, walking the runway in his uh, yoga pants and uh, crop top. And yeah, just put Joe's face right on there. Uh, definitely give his podcast a listen as well as check out his merchandise. And like I said, Christmas is coming. Be excellent stocking stuffers. You know, you can stuff, stuff your sock. Yeah, and uh, got it all. He puts his face on everything, so I, I highly recommend checking that out. And uh, I'm really looking forward to part two of the Matt Karkner interview, or uh, Rick Hayward part. Bleh. Hayward. And uh, no, that should be fun. Joe, Like I said, Joe does a great job, and uh, really looking forward to that. And in fact, Joe doesn't know this yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of him tomorrow, or try to get a hold of him tomorrow, and... Uh, We'll have to do an ep. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask him if he wants to do an episode. I think we're gonna break down some of his rankings of the old tough guys magazines. We'll see how that goes. See, I just see what I did there. I just put him on the spot to become a guest. But we'll see. As he's busy picking out splinters, he can he can come on the show. But definitely check it out. Coliseum Chronicles. Joe Lazito. Give her the Lazito. All right. Uh, now. Episode 148 here, folks. What are we going to talk about? Um, well, we're going to talk instigator rule. Um, some tough guy numbers. Uh, <laughs> PK Subban. Uh, 
I actually and uh, some best in the West and the actual best in the West. I had uh, Joe came through for me and Jay out in Finland got a few anyway because uh, we have best in the East categories. I have all of those, but no, I could never find the best in the West. And of course, if anybody's like, "What are you talking about?" Um, every year, the WHL would send out ballots to all the teams, but in the Eastern Division and the Western Division, they split it up, and they'd vote on like best. Best fighter, best hitter, best player, best goalie, blah, blah, blah. All the categories. And it was voted on by the GM and the players. So it's like a legitimate poll, right? It's not just a bunch of fucking nerd writers. Um, and I had a, I had all the, I think, except maybe missing one. But I, because they did it from 87 to, I believe, 04 or 05, something like that. And um, I have all the East but I've never seen the West one and we never knew what newspaper it came out in and whatever. But at that message or that uh, problem has been solved. It was the Victoria paper that was actually doing it. And unfortunately, as Jay said, as he's looked through newspapers.com and what have you, that whoever's running, who's ever doing the archiving in Victoria of the newspaper, you're blurry as shit and you can't read it, which is unfortunate on a lot of them. But I did get three copies of different years of the, best in the west so we'll definitely check that out sorry i just had to pause the check it's the best in the west of 88 89 so we'll, we'll look into that and uh another uh by i've had a few people yes nicks i got you i'll talk about basil in another episode i want to break that down i want to look into that though that's interesting um i had a couple people with uh i was doing for a little while i did a few different myth versus reality sort of segments on these Sunday episodes. And I have another one. And this one will be about Troy Crowder. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Um, first of all, um, like I said before, I had mentioned in the group about topics for the show because, like I said, I was stuck. But um, uh, And, and there were some really good ones. And some of them um, I definitely want to look into um, in terms of, like, the code, Stuff like that. I want to do. I want to research it a little more. And and uh, and someone was a history of fighting again. That's something I want to bring Steve on for for sure. And definitely do a dive into that. Maybe in the winter here, uh, we'll we'll definitely look into it. But um, one of the questions that I could answer, um, you know, because it was just a general. Uh, I didn't have to do any research for it, but um, it was. Uh, what would what do I think the NHL would look like without the instigator rule? <clears throat> and um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It, you always hear the instigator rule is blamed for everything, and and I think there's been a, a few, obviously a few different um, eras with the instigator with different things attached to it. Before it was just you know it was an extra two minutes, two and five, you know whatever. Um, then it became two, five and 10. It was a 10 minute misconduct. And then it was a two, five and a game misconduct. Um, well, actually the game might've come before the 10, like either or, but nonetheless, there was a misconduct added to it or a game misconduct added to it. Um, and then we got into this, uh, if you instigate in the last 10 minutes of the third period, you're suspended a game and, um, and all that. So there's been different, um, incarnations of the, instigator rule but just for a general um i think initially when it was just two and a five i don't think the instigator rule was that big of a deal i mean if all it was is just another penalty to kill 
you know, it's just two minutes to kill. And if that was, um, um, if that's all the, and you know, some guy was acting like a jackass and you grabbed him and gave him a few lefts and rights and, and, uh, you know, and all it, all it cost you was an extra two minutes. I think, um, it really wasn't that big of a deal in that sense. Um, now when they made it a game misconduct, then it became, you know, uh, I think guys became much more aware of like, okay, we got to drop the gloves together or whatever. I think, um, what's the, I hate using the word, but for the, for the, for this exercise, I will, um, uh, not state staged is such a stupid word, but it appeared more stagey, I guess, but it was it, just for the sense that we got to drop our shit together. So we don't, you know, there was kind of that respect. You don't, you know, you don't want to get the instigator. Um, I think it also maybe led to more glove, dro- fake glove dropping and that to get the guy to jump at you for the instigator. Um, it led to stuff like that. Not a lot, but you know, cause it's like anything in life, nothing's absolute, but I mean, I think it became a lot more, it became, um, it, 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 it sort of added to the mind games. And, uh, is he really going to drop my, drop his glove? Like we're talking like we're gonna, and he all of a sudden he starts shaking him like he's gonna, and then you drop yours and grab him. Well, now you just, you know, and then his team's all pumped because he got him the power play. I mean, it's like, uh, all right. But I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like that didn't happen before all of this either, but, um, you know, but I think once, and even a 10 minute misconduct, it was like, you know, okay, you lose your fourth liner for 17 minutes. It's like, eh, I mean, it kind of hurts the boys because you're shorthanded. The guy's got to double up, but I mean, you know, um, it really, eh, you know, but when it became a game mis- misconduct for sure, especially, especially if the tough guy was a defenseman, like I think about like McSorley and stuff. That's what made, you know, that's tough, man. Cause you now you're losing a sick, you know, one of your pairings and there's only six of you and it's like, you know, with a forward, yeah, you could drop a guy down from the third line and you know, whatever, but, or else, you know, you can just shorten the bench, but on D man, that's tough. So, I mean, if you're a tough guys, a defenseman, ugh, you know, and all of a sudden they get hit with a game misconduct, especially if it was in the first period, you know, now you're running five D all night, like, whew, you know, so yeah, that was stiff. And, um, so that definitely held things up, but, I think the big one, yeah, now for sure, I think is this whole instigating in the third period, um, that killed. Cause back in the day, I mean, that, you know, if the score got out of hand, you stayed around cause it was like, okay, shit's going to get real in the third period here, you know, and that's when, you know, all the good stuff happened with, you know, a 6 1 game. What was the only reason you were staying for? Well, yeah, let's be honest, right? So, you know, to take now, is that good thing to take that away? Uh, you know, whatever. That, I mean, from a fight fan, no, but, you know, whatever, from, I guess, from a stamp game standpoint, it's like, well, you could still fight. Like, if two guys want to fight in the third period, they can. It's like, yeah, but it's like, also, you got a guy acting like a donkey, now the score's getting out of hand. And guys want to just, I, it's just like, I don't know, to me, you're, you're, you're setting things up for a lot, for cheap shots and a bunch of stuff. And then it becomes, especially in the playoffs, um, there's been a couple times in the playoffs that, yeah, there's fighting at the end of the game. And who was it a few years back? It was I remember it was a Pittsburgh because it was a big controversy. Like Malkin uh, should have gotten it. Like I think they called an instigator on him, and then it got rescinded. So it was like, oh yeah, because it's Malkin. Like I'm sure if it had been you know you know Bissonette or something, yeah, right, they would have rescinded it. But I mean, so 
you start playing those games in the in the playoffs, and I don't know if that rules leading to, you know, and then of course, well, you got to be more disciplined. Well, yeah, but it's like, again, it was like we're talking Malkin here. Like I'm sure he's really cruising around, you know, taping his wrists up in the third to go tilt. Like obviously the guy pushed him to it and whatever, and so it's not, you know, it's it's a rare occurrence. Um, Mel, I mean, I'm sure it's happened a million times, but for some reason the Melkin thing sticks out in my head and I want to say it was rescinded, but, um, no. And so, I mean, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah. It cuts and it does cut down the line brawls and what, although, I mean, <clears throat> I guess I'm speaking in a historical sense, but I mean, would they even line brawl now? Now, before everybody starts, oh, there was a line brawl in the preseason. Yeah. Was there really? Like that Tampa, Florida. Yeah, the box score looked okay, but go watch the video. What is there, like three punches thrown with ten guys in the ice? It's like, eh, you know, whatever. But, but that's how desperate everybody is for some fucking emotion and some roughness. You know, all of a sudden that becomes, oh, you know, major brawl breaks out. Oh, headline from Sportsnet. Oh, major brawl. Jesus. You know, but... You know, but everyone's just so desperate for it. They're always awesome. Well, okay. You know, I mean, on one hand, I guess they showed some emotion. I mean, you know, so I always laugh though with these preseason fights. I, I've seen it a bunch of times. Why do people keep, keep commenting like, like even when Cassian hit his head off the ice there, it's like, why did that need to happen? Well, what do you mean? Why did that need to happen? I mean, yeah, Cassian's on the team, but who's the kid he fought for Vancouver? I mean, he's trying to make a name for himself. Plus, apparently, he had been running around a little bit, so Cassian's going to come out. It's a divisional team. I mean, fuck, what do you mean? Why did it happen? What? What is that? Like, it's just, really, why? You don't know why. Like, I always said, the people asking why clearly have never tried out for anything. But anyway, um, it's just another example of how, you know, desperate New Age hockey fans have become for anything emotional to happen. But, um... No, again, to go back to the original question, I mean, how do how would the NHL look with no instigator? Eh, I don't know. I can't. Like, the instigator rule really isn't the reason why there isn't enforcing anymore. So, um, I don't know. I think it would still look the same. Yeah, you'd have, I think you'd have a, you, I think fighting would be up because uh, there wouldn't be suspensions anymore for the third period stuff. I think you'd see a few more fights in that way in the third. Um but I don't think, oh, if there was no instigator, the enforcer would be back. No, I don't, no, I don't think so. Um, cause that, that was never, the demise of the enforcer wasn't because of the instigator rule. Um, but I do think fighting would be up a little bit. Not much, but it would be up a little bit if there was no instigator rule. But, uh, outside of that, you know, no, I don't think there'd be all of a sudden it'd be 1992 again. <clears throat> no. Oh, then one of the other questions, IPA versus Bush Light. Um, well, neither. Um, I, I can't, I don't, IPA, craft beer, all that. Ugh. No, I don't get it. I don't know. Is like craft beer, like a kind of an artsy way to cover up alcoholism? I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought. But no, I have no desire to drink nutmeg ale, you know, or a, a blueberry stout. That, you know, I will say that some of the craft beers have cool cans. I like the designs, but, uh, I, I don't want to drop 72.50 on a six pack. So, um, 
but no, I've never, I don't know what it is with craft beer, like, or microbrewery and stuff. I know it's kind of big in BC. So when you're out there, yeah, I'll try whatever the house lager is or whatever, but, and some of them are okay. I'm like, you know, but no, I'm, I'm a basic domestic swill guy. Like I said, my favorite beer is like Rolling Rock and stuff like that. So MGD, whatever. So Great West, speaking of Great West, uh, for those folks in the Saskatchewan area, and if you're so inclined, um, if you buy any product, Great Western product, uh, there is uh, SJHL glasses being given away. They're pretty cool. They hold the beer and they got the SJHL logo on them and then all the team logos around it. So, yeah, I picked that up yesterday. I put a picture of it on my social media. So that was pretty cool. SGI, SGI, SG, Jesus, take two, SJHL which is uh, for the Amer- my American listeners out there, that is the Junior A League here in Saskatchewan, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And, um, yeah, and it's got all the logos on it and the, the league logo and stuff. So it's a pretty cool little gift, uh, little, little trink. I'm, I'm, I'm big into, like, trinkety shit and beer giveaways and stuff. I had a whole bunch of Pilsner stuff that I got, and I sent it all to Les Borsheim. Who I hope, Les, I know you're listening out there. Keep battling, man. Love it. Um, of course, he just had his fundraiser uh, and his golf tournament on. Uh, so hopefully a lot of money was raised for Les. And uh, I always enjoy Les posts. And uh, actually, there's a guy I got to get. Well, there's a past guest, Les Borsheim, former Brandon Wheat King and uh, Flyer, Philadelphia Phantom and OKC Blazer and Colorado Eagle. And just a tough dude. And um, unfortunately, Les was... Uh, paralyzed after a motorcycle accident but uh he is battling back in rehab and uh you always post the videos up there and and uh less like you talk like i know people throw around the word warrior way too much but there you go less is one i am proudly a member of team borsheim so less hang in there man keep going keep grinding but uh yeah i definitely want to get less back on the show he's a fun guest but um what was I saying? Oh, with the pills. Yeah. So I, and like less of, you know, from the old Saskatchewan days of Pilsner. So I sent less down a bunch of Pilsner gear that was, uh, came out of the beer boxes. They're always headbands and socks and flags and, oh, Pilsner's always giving stuff away. So, but, um, there is a gentleman on Twitter that I greatly appreciate his account. It's an, I get, oh, it's not really analytic. Well, I suppose it's analytics. It's more stat. I guess analytics is stats. But it's like a tough guy stat, and it's called Tough Guy Numbers. That's the name of his account. And uh, he's always put, oh, most penalty minutes in 2000 to 2005 and team things. And he's always, something to do with penalty minutes. He's always breaking it down by decade or year, you know, whatever. And uh, number of Gordiao hat tricks and all that stuff. Um, but he, uh, so if you're on Twitter, definitely give his account a follow. Um, but he just threw out a simple text the other day. Most major penalties by decade. So I, I just, I'll, I'll hit you with some numbers here. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in the seventies, it was, uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz with 134. Uh, in the eighties, who was it in the eighties? Give me the Jeopardy music. One, two, three. In the eighties, it was Chris Nyland with 203. In the nineties, it is Ty Domi. With 197. Uh, it always seems weird in the 2000s. Because I always think like 2011, 2000. Like to me that's the 2000s. But I get what he's saying. 2000 to 2010. 
Uh, it was Jody Shelley with 148 majors. And in the 10s, from 2010 to 2020, uh, the leader, and this surprised me actually, um, but tough guy washed him in the dub and stuff. And, uh, I just, I, I guess I just didn't realize he'd fought that much. Uh, it was Cody McLeod, the 134. So there you go. There's some, some tough guys made the mate number of majors by decade. Um, well, we're cruising right along here. Old, uh, Jason Ward, well, he'll, he'll just, he, had, he hasn't even finished stretching yet, and I'm almost done the episode. Well, I'm not almost done. But you know who is done? Um, t- did anybody see? Um, it came across my timeline. Well, first of all, it sucks, which was a real was a real shitty to see Ryan Reeves get hurt. And, uh, you know, because everybody's excited in New York. Oh, here we go, New York, Washington. And it's like, oh, then the bubble pops. Um, I have not checked into how badly he was injured. Um it looked gross. Um, some say it's not as bad, but at any rate, that's just a real blow, not just to the Rangers, but just like, I don't know, just fight fans in general and just, um, well, obviously into Reeves. Um, but, and of course he got wrapped up with Subban and, um, you know, and there was a lot of debate whether Subban did it on purpose with the slew foot and stuff. And, yeah, you know, the thing I have an issue with, with, with Subban is he sort of has a history of doing that. And somebody put up like multiple videos of him doing that to other guys. Um, Kunitz's name stands out for one. I can't remember. There was three or four videos of him doing it. And then along with the Reeves one. So, eh, you know, it's starting to look like a trend here. Um, but yeah, it was just overall, it was just a real unfortunate incident. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to see anybody hurt like that, but. Uh, you know, from a fight fan standpoint, it was a real, you know, and especially when it's, you know, one of the few guys left out there that, you know, is a tough guy and what, and you can have your feelings on Reeves, but you know, at the end of the day, he's one of the few left and to see him go down like that was, was a real, that sucked. But, um, but then it was, uh, was it, I, I don't even know, was it Kreider? Is that who it was? That of course goes after Subban. Of course, Subban being the bitch that he is leaves his gloves on and gets thrown around and whatever just looks pathetic. And then it's just like, what are you doing? You know? And it's just, I will say with, I I've never, I've never understood the Subban thing. I mean, he's a good player and whatever. Well, he was, I mean, I, I don't know. I think the guy's career fell off a cliff. He's so busy, you know, making, he wants to make, become an influencer or something. I don't know. He's too busy looking for the camera. You know, in his high-profile breakup there with what's her name? Um, what is her name? Oh, she's hot. But, oh, I'm just drawing a complete blank on her name. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. But though, I mean, they, you know, whatever. And uh, he's just a goof. And I, I, I will never to this. I'll never figure out Montreal fans literally crying about that trade. Like, are you serious? Like, you'd rather have Subban than Weber? Are you high? Like I said one time, actually, if Nashville hadn't made that trade, they might have actually beat Pittsburgh for the Cup that year. Because Subban was the shits in that Stanley Cup final. And everybody goes on how great he was. I'm like, he wasn't even... He was like the third best defenseman on fucking Nashville that year. Um, You know, what was it? Behind Josie and fucking Ellis or whatever. Then there's Subban, like, coughing shit up. Like, like he's a good offensively, but I mean... I, it's like having another forward out there. I don't think he can play D. I mean, I'm, I just completely overrated. No, he got a Norris. 
he's the only Norris Trophy winner I know that he wins the Norris but can't play on Team Canada. Like, what was he an alternate? But that's your Norris Trophy winner. Mm, all right, whatever. But I mean, to even put him and Weber together, like, are you serious? All right, whatever. But but anyway, and and he's just he's just a goof. He's just a big mouth goof. Like, yeah, he plays physical and he's kind of dirty and chippy, but it never backs his shit up. Then for as big and strong as he is, it can't fight. It's embarrassing watching him fight. Because, of course, then I think he, the boys must have been looking at him in the dressing room like, what are you doing? So he comes out and tries to fight him in the third. What, he's come charging at him and they fall down right away. It's like, oh, my God, you're embarrassing. But it was like even the mic'd up thing last year. Who was it with the Bruins guy? Was it a Bruins guy? Was it some kid with the Bruins who was getting into it with? Subban's like, I'll fucking kill you. I'll kill you. That's what he's saying to the guy. So the guy comes out and he's like, okay, let's go then. And he's like, yeah, later, later. And of course, he never fights him. It's like, you go on, I'm like, whoa, I'm going to kill you. And then it's later. Like, you're such a poser. I laugh. The guy goes, yeah, go post some more workout videos. That cracked me up when he said that. But it's true. Like, the guy's just a poser. It's like, oh, you're embarrassing. You know, but he gave to charity. Just ask him. He brings it up in every interview. Like, oh, well, that's why Subban's so great. He gives the charity. Yeah, like, he's the only guy that does it. I'm like, he's the only guy that talks about it, though. Constantly. Look at me. Never met a camera he didn't like. But, yeah, for the for supposedly, oh, he's one of the best D in the league. Oh, yeah. Like, fuck, Nashville got rid of him for, what, a couple rolls of tape and a fucking used Zamboni tire. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, he's one of the best. It's like when they would go on and on about Taylor Hall. Oh, yeah, for a guy gets traded around for a couple fucking jock straps and a fucking player to be named later yeah but oh they're great mm. yeah i mean they might have talent on the ice but locker room lawyers and probably and just can't cancers in the in the locker room like just yeah and you can say what oh, you have one about suban like i said i've talked to a bunch of guys and it's been different guys at different times and they all say the same thing he's just a fucking clown that no one likes it's like yeah so there you go. There's my PK Subban editorial. But, um, which, oh, best in the West. The 1988-1989 best in the West from the Victoria newspaper. Now, at that time, the Western League had, our Western division had six teams. Um, but they also included, I don't know how, um, teams in the Western division are sent survey sheets with the request that, at least three per team be filled out by players and management. Some teams filled more, others less. But all six clubs within the division. Uh, and I believe they said, uh, however, the Brandon Wheat Kings and Moose Joe Warriors and Swift Current Broncos of the East Division of the East Division did obtain copies of the survey and were sent. Uh, blah blah blah. And however, Brandon voted strictly on the West Divisions. Okay, so basically seven teams. Like anybody listening gives a shit, but I'm just saying this is how they arrived at these uh, findings that uh, seven teams in the Western League uh, voted. So let's scroll down. So the toughest player that year with 67 points, so the runner-up had 47, was Dean Ewan. Uh, and they write little right up. Dean Le- Dean Ewan is a f- is in his fourth WHL season, during which he has played for New Westminster, Spokane, and Seattle. However, the third-round pick of the Islanders in 1987 has carried a reputation for enjoying the rough stuff no matter where he has played. So yes, Dean Ewan was number one. Number two from Tri-Cities was Greg Spenrath, the Viking. Um, number three, a distant three with 27 points, was uh, Victoria Cougars' Jim McKenzie, followed by Tri-Cities' Steve Jiggs. 
then Kamloops, Don Schmidt, uh, Portland, Sean Clouston, um, who I believe is, uh, is he, I believe he's the coach. Is he a coach in Kamloops now? Why did I just hear his name? I think he's a coach in the Western League. Uh, number seven was Jay Stark in Seattle. Uh, well, they tied, actually tied with Paul Cruz of Kamloops. And then, uh, Corey Bolio in Seattle, Marco Fuster, Joey Middlestad, Joel Savage, and Darcy Lowen rounding out the voting. So there you go, the 1988-89 Western Hockey League. Toughest player. Who was the most valuable player? It's interesting how these go. Yeah, Dennis Holland of Portland. And uh, if anybody, who? Yeah, well, he played in the IHL and the in the AHL, bounced around a little bit. Never played in the NHL, but uh, um, but he had three 100-point seasons in the Western League in Portland. He was a hell of a, hell of a junior player. Stu Barnes was second. Uh, Dan Lorenz in Seattle, I believe he was a goalie. Uh, Darcy Lowen, Mitch Azarov, Travis Green, Wade Flaherty, Don Schmidt, Troy Mick, Joel Savage, Glenn Goodell, Victor Vey. It's interesting. Most valuable player, it's just how, what is that, basically Barnes, Lowen briefly, but Stu Barnes, Travis Green, and Wade Flaherty are really the only guys that had any NHL uh, impact there. And I'm not knocking anybody, but it's just, that just shows you the percentage, right? There's like, I mean, there was ties and stuff, so, but there was 14 guys right there um, voted by their peers as, like, the best players in the league, and three of them make the NHL. So, yeah, it, um, it just goes to show you, right? Who was the top rookie? Well, there you go. There's for the uh, Brian Shantz. Well, there you go. The rookies, Brian Shantz was first, second was Byron Defoe, and third was Pat Falloon. So, um, yeah, well, and Ray Whitney was in there too, So and Corey Hirsch. So the rookies coming were, uh, they, they had a few more, uh, uh, NHL, uh, ready dudes. But, uh, yeah, there you go. The, uh, who was the, oh yeah, top coach. There you go. Ken Hitchcock. Barry Melrose was second. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I always, I, I always love these, uh, the best in the West and the best in the East. I love these polls. And cause like I said, when it, when it's voted on by like, Coaches and players, it's like legit, right? Because those are their peers. So it's like I said to me, it, in my opinion, anyway, um, it's a lot more valid than you know a bunch of jokers sitting up in the press box. So there we go. I dig it. Um, hold on, I gotta take a drink here. Okay, well that brings me to my final topic, which is my. We will get back into. I'd like to do these more, but it's hard coming up with them sometimes, but. Um, today's myth versus reality, uh, topic will be Troy Crowder. Um, and the reason I bring his name up and it's not to slander Troy Crowder or anything like that. It was, um, it, 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 the, the topic of his fights with Probert and just him in general came up on, I saw on, um, Facebook and as well as Twitter in the last little while. And it actually initially popped up, uh, when I did the Bob Probert Invitational Tournament, uh, it has a couple times and I've done it. And I haven't had him in there. I think I had him in one year, but, um, and I, of course you go, where's so, you know, and everybody's, where's this guy? Where's that guy? But Crowder's name came up a whole bunch and I, and I never even, and so I, I kind of kept thinking, I said to a few people, what's with this Troy Crowder shit? Like the guy literally, like it was a big impact and then like fizzled quickly. And I don't, but people talk like somehow he was just, a top guy. And it was just like, really? And then I was kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, I never got the Troy Crowder thing. I never did. And, um, 
And again, right when he first came up, I mean, it was, um, you know, well, he had a couple, I don't know if people really know this, but, um, but let's dive in. Um, oh, stop, start, stop, start. Okay. <clears throat> well, where was I? Oh, I didn't go back and look. Oh, right, well, Troy Crowder. So, um, before his big run, um, which was in 1990, 91 with, uh, when he wore number 25 with the Devils, um, he, he had a brief, uh, you know, he played in the American League. He's an OHL guy. He came up from the Ontario League. Um, I believe he was a, now, and it's, the story I've always heard was he sort he was actually a boxing prospect. Um, I think it was with the, he's trying with the Canadian Olympic team or something. Not that he was on it, but he was trying. I think that was the, that was the story anyway. That could have been built up because it was around the time with the Probert thing. But, um, I know he, he always seemed to, um, he never liked the role. I mean, he performed it, but, um, he said he's come out a number of times and he, he quit a bunch of times because his heart wasn't in it because he doesn't want, he didn't want to be used as just an enforcer. Um, unfortunately in that time period, in the late eighties, early nineties, um, that's what he was. And he wasn't, so he, he'd have stops and starts and his big year with the Probert fight, 90, 90, 91 was like the one year I think he was like, re, he was really dedicated to it. And, um, Played the full season and, and of course with injuries and everything caught up to him as well. But he was sporadically in and out of the NHL and, um, and, and really sort of faded away. And again, this isn't an indictment on Troy. I don't have nothing against Troy Crowder and I'm certainly not knocking the guy. He went out and did it and, you know, whatever. Um, so when I'm doing this myth versus reality, it's not to like destroy the everything and you know, fuck this guy. He was actually a piece of shit. Like, no, it's nothing like that. Um, but it, I think it, it's more just the buildup of it. And when, like I said, and then like myth, not by, might not be the correct word, but I mean that for the, that's for the titles to work with me. But, um, I think let, we're just going to break down the reality of it and, um, and we'll see where it, where it lies. And again, in my opinion, but the fights are all on YouTube. So it's not like I'm talking about video that I, I was there and you know, no, it's on video. So there's evidence of it. So you can, anybody can go look. Um, and I encourage you to do so after or do it while you're listening to this. Um, he initially came up in, uh, 87, 88 was his first appearance and it was against the Bruins and he fought Jay Miller and Lyndon Byers in the same game. Um, the Miller fight, he did, he didn't do bad in, but, um, you know, whatever, both gave a few, took a few. It wasn't like, oh, overwhelming decision either way. It was just, it was a, it was a hockey fight. Um, the next fight was with Lyndon Byers. Probably got out punched by Byers in it, but again, eh, you know, whatever. It was a decent showing for a young kid, rookie, to take on two name guys in the NHL. Um, 88, 89, uh, he had seven fights in the preseason. A bunch of, uh, Struthers and all these Islander guys and Flyer guys, and I don't think there's any video of it, so I don't know. I can't, I know the, like, I'm just going by the drop your gloves, his fight card. He had seven fights in the preseason, but then he spent the year in Utica. Um, the following year, 89-90, um, the, I, I don't, I can't, off the top of my head, something happened, but I can't recall it, I have to get, I should get Farmer Rob, I should have texted him and asked him, um, but, uh, something happened with the Leafs and Devils, so, to combat John Cordick, who was with the Leafs, the Devils actually, I believe they were, they signed Crowder, who had 
left hockey and they signed him and he came up and he fought Cordic and, uh, you know, for guys just basically, you know, that had been at home and coming back out, he did okay, but I wouldn't, I certainly would not give him the win. I think I would give Cordic the win in the fight, but he was there. But then he obviously dedicated himself because in 1990, 91 is when the year that everybody heard of Troy Crowder. And of course, it's interesting because this is right when I was in grade nine, 10, 89, 90, 90. I was in grade 10. And, uh, yeah. And I think this is where, again, for the lack of better word, the myth comes in. I will say this year or these first few fights for Crowder, um, this is where the story grows, the legend grows. And it, and it, and it's very good theater because he has the, he has a, a couple fights in the preseason and then his very first fight of the regular season is with Bob Probert. It's October 4th. He fights Probert in Jersey. Um, everyone's seen the fight. Having I've watched it a million times, but as I was going to do this Crowder myth reality thing, I went back on YouTube and I spent about half an hour, 45 minutes on YouTube just going through his fights. Like I've seen them, but you, you see so much stuff. I've seen so much stuff. It goes, you don't remember. But so I have to, I was jogging my memory. Went and watched them. It's interesting watching the first Probert fight. He busts Probert up. And like I said, visually, it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big win for a rookie. Um, and for like the Devils. Cause at the time, Probert, you know, was definitely known that was in his prime years, 90, 91. Like he's the man, right? Um, you know, it starts off pretty even. Probert actually lands a couple good ones. Um, but then of course Crowder gets the gear over Probert's head, which Probert was famous for doing and Probert for getting out of, but it took him a little longer to this time to get out of it. Crowder really trapped him in there, uh, in his gear and he landed a couple, you know, decent shots. Obviously he cut him open under the eye. Um, Probert did also step on a stick, which doesn't help, but Hey, again, it's a steep point out. It's fighting and it is, it's all the variables because Crowder could have easily stepped on it too. Um, shitty job in the linesman. Actually, it was a shitty job by the linesman in that fight in general. Cause usually they're pretty good at getting the sticks out of the way. Plus, so Probert's got a shit over him. Crowder's landing a couple. Probert finally gets out of his stuff. And, th- and this is usually when Probert would make his big comeback. Well, one linesman actually got in there and broke the fight up and Crowder over top kind of, again, it's not, a, it's all the code. I'm not talking about that, but kind of one ref jumps in there real quick and kind of gets in on him and Crowder lands one over the top and Probert tries to hit him back. And then the other linesman gets in there. It was a real poor job by the linesman. And, uh, cause normally at that, especially in the nine, like nowadays they go, they go crazy. Like it's five year olds in the playground. But I mean, back then they'd let you settle shit. And, uh, but yeah, he had Probert, the linesman came in, whatever, and Probert never really got set up. It had been interesting if the linesman had never come in and Probert got his gear off like it normally does. And it, and it went on a little longer. It had been interesting to see what the result of that would have been. But nonetheless, um, for the visual of it, Crowder definitely, well, he got the win, whatever, but it, it's not this one sided fucking beating that everybody, like they just oh you like totally destroyed him oh it's like go watch the fight seriously go watch it not really but he did win I'll give him that he did win and he cut him so that's what I said the visual it's kind of like the McSorley uh, Clark fight if you go actually go back and watch it McSorley wins the fight but visually Clark does because he's the one that lands the heavier shots busts McSorley up 
And it's, like I said, visually, he gets the win. And that's what everybody remembers. Actually, that could be my next... Actually, I'm just killing my own myth versus reality. Um, But visually, it was a huge win, especially for a rookie, too. That's the other thing. Unknown. Troy Kraut, who is this guy? First game of the year in New Jersey, hometown. Like, people in New Jersey must be, holy shit, look at this guy. And that's what everybody was saying. Because back then, of course, no, there was no center ice package or whatever. But we all saw it on the satellite, like on sports, TSN. I don't even think there was sports net back then. But TSN showed it, and like, holy shit, Probert lost. And of course, it's, you know, whatever. And of course, that picture's famous now. I mean, that was his next year. It was his upper deck card, Probert with the stitches under his eye. And the result of the Crowder fight, so... So right away, Crowder's got the huge, and of course, John Cherry showed it on Coach's Corner, and like, it was big deal, like, who the fuck is this Troy Crowder guy? Well, then his next fight, of course, he fights big Jeff Chicken with Philadelphia, and one punches him, and it's brutal knockout, and just like, holy shit, like, this guy's a wrecking machine, right? And like, visually, again, busts up Probert, next fight, drops Chicken, who at the time had had a lot of... A lot of press. He was a younger guy coming up too, and big D man, six five. And Chickerman's a tough dude, and just one punch like that, it was like, and that was like one of the most vicious like one punches. Like you go back and watch hockey fights, it's like Jesus, really. So yeah, so he has that one. But this is where, so everybody sees these first two. So this guy's getting built up to the moon, like holy, we got a Terminator here. And uh, then he fights Tony Horacek. Whatever. I mean, again, I'm not knocking Tony, but okay. Then he has a bunch of fight with uh, Fakoda and uh, Rich Pilon. Bunch of nothing. Bunch of nothing fights. Uh, Then he fights Craig Cox, and he really beats on Cox. Cox takes a few shots. Doesn't get dropped, like knocked out, but he gets just overwhelmed and flattened. Like, again, Crowder in Vancouver. He pumps Cox pretty good. But again... This is 90-91. Craig Cox's best days are behind him. And I love Craig Cox, but... Um, yeah. But Crowder, again, overwhelms him. So now we got those three big wins. Probert, the big knockout of Chikrin, the overwhelming fight with Cox. Fights Horacek again. Eh, whatever. Then he fights Craig Berube. Now it can be... Did Berube beat him? Eh, you know. But... Bruby didn't lose to him either. So, okay. Then he fights Karkner, bunch of nothing, Baumgartner, Hartman, Peluso. All these fights suck. There's nothing really going on. Then he's crew, and then everybody's getting ready for January 28th. It's the return. Crowder probe with the rematch. It's in Joe Lewis. Everyone's talking about it. Don Cherry is pumping the shit out of it on Coach's Corner. Could you imagine any of this happening now? But he was like, they were sold out. He couldn't get t- Cherry couldn't even get tickets. He had to. He Don Cherry legitimately had to go buy tickets from a scalper. And him and Ron McLean were up in the nosebleeds. They showed it. It was legit. He was up there with the like he calls it the peanut gallery. But Cherry wanted to see it. So him and McLean drove across the border from Toronto over to over the bridge in Windsor there and went and bought scalp tickets and went in the upper deck and watched it. Yeah, so Cherry's legit, man. He'll go. He's a fight fan, man. He's a fight fan. And it was a big deal back then. But before that, this is what sort of killed the rematch, is he, uh, the Quebec Nordiques rolled into New Jersey and Darren Kimball buckled Troy Crowder. Um, it's a pretty good fight. They're going toe-to-toe until Kimball's jersey comes off and then he cracks Crowder with two good ones and Crowder's knees kind of go out and, I mean, he gets up right away. It wasn't like they peeled him off the ice or anything, but he lost, he got buckled. 
And it was a massive win for Kimball. It really uh, pumped Kimball's stock up too. And of course, back home, we were all pumped because Kimball's a SAS guy, right? So, and we knew him from the PA Raider days. And uh, so it was pretty cool to see Kimball buckle Crowder like that. So that, I think, kind of took the steam a little bit out of the big rematch. But nonetheless, the rematch happens. Um, and Probert decisively beats him in the first fight. Um, the second fight, I would probably say Crowder, actually on points, probably won it. Um, but it's a lot of wrestling and stuff, but he did land some pretty good shots and he, but he jumped them, but nonetheless, eh, okay. Um, then to round out the year, he fights Domi when Domi's at the Rangers, um, Jay Caulfield and then Cordic again with Washington. And none of these three fights really amount to much. So, um, really, so he had 18 fights that year and four wins like so I mean that's the point like but everyone talks like and, and Steve and I have been having this debate online uh, on Twitter uh, privately and and um, you know we both respect each other's positions but um, he's in that camp of that was a great rookie camp and it was I'm not taking it away from him but I, I just think it, it was I mean yes as a rookie he 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 bloodied up Probert and, you know, and arguably got the second one. You could jump him and what you, you could get, but really you could give him two wins against Probert who was the number one at that time. And, and the KO of Chicker and, and the, and Cox. Okay. I'm like, well, like Link Gates, Patrick Cote, they had really, they had, I think they probably had better rookie seasons. I mean, um, more dominant, like this crowd was Crowder really dominant. I mean, it wasn't like he, he knocked out Probert or dropped him. I mean, he cut him open with the jersey over his head and the refs came in early. And then the second fight, the second win, he kind of jumps him. And even then, yeah, he lands more punches, but he didn't drop him. So it's like, you know, the Chikrin fight is the most devastating one. Again, it's the theater of the Probert fight. And I understand all that. And I get it where, I get where Steve's coming from and I completely understand it. And I get why people, this is why it's part of this topic. Um, but, you know, and then the following year, of course, is that big compensation thing. And he actually ends up on the Red Wings, which, I mean, was a brutal thing for the Red Wings because they lost Randy McKay in the, a no-name Randy McKay at the time in the, with the compensation. And I mean, who wouldn't have totally rather have Randy McKay than Troy Crowder as it turned out. But at the time, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, Crowder and Probert on the same team. This is going to be awesome. Well, I mean, he got hurt, unfortunately, and he fought, he had a fight with Grimson in the preseason, fought Stu in the regular season, and then Peluso three times in the same game, and none of the fights were anything, and then he got hurt. And then he was kind of out of hockey for, for a year, and then he came back with, um, with LA. And he was just, he just wasn't the same guy. I mean, yeah, he fought a couple of guys, tough guys, and then 96, 97, he's in Vancouver, and, you know, he had six fights. So he was, he was, le- he was legitimately trying to make a back because he had six fights in the preseason, 14 overall that year. And Sandy and Bomber and Debrusque, he fought Sasha Lakovic twice, fought Probert twice, or he fought McKenzie twice. He fought Probert again. I think a lot of people forget that him and Probert actually fought four times in their careers. Um, but it was in Vancouver during a little lion thing at the Brashier's fight and Cummins at the same time. And it's just a lot of wrestling. They don't really do anything. He looked, pedestrian in Vancouver and LA. So 
I mean, really, when you talk about Troy Crowder, your his whole the whole focus should be on that ninety ninety one campaign when he had the eighteen fights. Um, and like I said, out of all of them, there's three fights there, four fights maybe that you can, out of eighteen that you can hang your hat on, and they're big deal, big wins for sure, and all that. But when like I just go back to like the Bob Probert tournament and I'm doing the 64 guys and I got Twist and McCar- and I got all these guys and I got people yelling at me about Troy Crowder. Really? Like I will go to, you know, what's the change my mind, but really he has four big wins in his career, in his NHL career. And that's it. And I mean, he fought more, but I mean, all those fights are whatever. They're just fights. There's no domination. I'm not saying he got his ass kicked either, but I mean, they're just sort of indecisive. They're just there. They throw three, he throws three, and wrestle, wrestle, fall down. I mean, you know, whatever. So, really, we're we're like every, like somebody was just saying now with the, uh, you know, oh maybe that year he was probably a top ten guy that year. Really, for three fights makes him the top ten. Like, I don't know. Just, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I just don't get the Crowder thing. And like I said, like I, like, when you actually look into it, and that's why I encourage anybody listening to this right now, go back on YouTube, hey, and go watch the fights. See, and then hey, get a hold of me. Say, hey, man, you're full of shit and whatever. And that's cool. I mean, I want it to spark a debate and have a look and, and what have you. But from my perspective, my opinion, watch, like, I don't know. It, it's a lot of fluff. And uh, for a guy with, you know, four wins in his career, really, I mean, that's in his entire NHL career, um, which I don't know, what's the total of about 60 fights? You got four big wins? Eh, I don't know. I, I don't, that, you know, to me, it's just a, it's a footnote, right? But it's a cool little story within the, the the framework of that season and it's sort of in fight history it's a little you know it's a little blip on uh on on fight history and uh you know and, and like an interesting footnote but and again this isn't this whole thing isn't to throw shade at troy crowder or anything like that i'm simply saying his name often gets brought up in the fight boards and with the big run that he the huge run troy had a run I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a run. He had spark flashes of brilliance, but overall it was a fairly, uh, pedestrian effort, I think. But, um, again, that's my opinion. And that is episode 148's myth versus reality topic is Troy Crowder. But, uh, anyway, guys, uh, that puts us at the 55 minute mark. Um, I, again, this is, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. And, uh, I just want to wish all my listeners out there, a uh, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, uh, what are we thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for you guys for listening to the show and the feedback that I get and to see the show's growth has been really fun. And, um, yeah, I know there's a lot of shit going on in the world and everyone has their own problems and, uh, you know, and with the, between the, the virus and politics and, you know, it can be pretty, uh, from a social media standpoint it can be aggravating and i know i've done my my share of yelling on here about social media and uh um but i am definitely beyond that i am thankful for 
the whatever you want to call it, the social media friends or whatever, the Alec, the Joes, the Dr. Chris's, uh, Searson, Paul, all the guys in the UK. Um, I shouldn't have thrown out names. I don't want to forget anybody, but, and if I didn't say your name, it's not, you know, but like I said, lots of people, um, that I've got, that I've never would have got to, uh, converse with, um, was because of social media. So I can't be that harsh about it. Um, I know I always call it a cesspool and everything else, but <coughs> for my little, uh, our little group of idiots there on social media, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm definitely thankful for those, for you cats being around and for all of you for listening to this show and, um, and, and, and making it, um, cause it's, it's a grind. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And I've said it a number of times and I know Alex going through it right now. I mean, as podcasters with interviews, guys ditching you and stuff like that, it can be starting to get really annoying. You still really questioning, why am I doing this? But, um, when you get the, when you get feedback and you hear that people enjoy it and, and that type of thing, it, it definitely makes it worthwhile. And, uh, so I just want to thank everyone who has taken the time to download the episode and listen and get back to me with feedback or suggest a topic or what have you, or for every retweet and share and, and, uh, and just in social media in general for the pictures and the, and the, and the conversation. I mean, that's, you know, in, in my private life, I don't have, people to converse fights with. So it's nice to go online and a little, whatever you fight community or whatever, and, you know, debate with like-minded people over things. And, you know, I'd always not agree, but, um, it's the, the debates, the fun part or finding footage and sharing it and, and, and seeing the people's reaction from that, the footage that you put up and, and that type of thing. It's been a lot of fun in that way. So I'm just, uh, I'm thankful for all you guys out there for listening. And I know sometimes I yell and scream or online, I get snarky. Sometimes I get in a mood, but, uh, no, I definitely appreciate everybody out there. And thank you again for tuning in and sharing the episodes with your friends or mentioning to them or what have you, um, that it, it's been, it's been, a, it's been fun. I can't 148 episodes, man. I can't believe it's been that many, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully I'll, con- I'll continue to, uh, to put out the content for you guys. As long as you guys are listening, I'll keep doing it. So, uh, once again, I hope everybody has a wonderful long weekend and, um, yeah, let's just, uh, be good to each other. And, uh, you know, there's enough division in the world. I don't think we need to, uh, get online and, and spread more BS and, and all that stuff. Let's just, uh, let's crack a beer and sit back and let's, uh, chill out and watch some fights on YouTube or something. Go watch some Troy Crowder fights and then get back to me. But uh, with that, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?